Hello and welcome to the Disc Disciples podcast. We are your hosts, James Sterner and Carter Trump. And we are so glad that you are with us today. Um, this is the first episode that we yes. are doing. First episode of a podcast I've ever done. Uh, same here. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be kind of just a a journey from from us to you and uh, back to us again <laughs> and back to you. Um, but yeah, we are disc golfers. We love disc golf. Disc yes. golf is a major part of our lives. It has been for a while now. Um, and so we just want to help you, the, the new disc golfer. Maybe you've been playing for a while. Maybe you just started, but you want to know more. You want to just enjoy some more disc golf content um, as we're all crazy for it and love it. Um, so we want to give it to you. Um, so just the purpose of our podcast, really, we started out, we want this to be for you a resource um, to know the rules, know how to play right um, and clear up any confusion. Maybe you um, have three discs and you're looking for more and you want to know what discs should I buy or, you know, what do what do the numbers on a disc mean? Stuff like that. We are here to answer your questions um, that we have presupposed um, you're asking because we asked them ourselves. Um, so, yeah, Carter, you want to you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell them a little bit about yourself. Oh, yeah. So um, I've been playing disc golf for about three years now. I've played pretty pretty consistently since I started. I, I got into it um, just by chance. I was just invited. You invited me. I did. Uh, to go play disc golf. And uh, I've been playing ever since. I started out with three discs that I randomly grabbed from a store and knew nothing about. Do you remember what those discs were? Oh, um, it was the um, X-Avenger. Oh, yeah. Uh, The MVP uh, Pyro. Okay. And um, a Discraft G... Banger GT. Ooh. Yeah. So something that was... really stupid flippy, something really overstable, and, and, a, and weird then a, and then a weird putter. And a weird shaped putter. That's how I started. Uh, I only use uh, one of those discs now. <laughs> Still. Pyro? Uh, yeah, the Pyro, yeah, the because pyro. that was the best disc that I purchased and I didn't even know. <laughs> also premium plastic, so it yes. lasts a little bit longer. Yes, definitely nice. lasted longer than my other two, which are not in great condition at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been playing uh, pretty consistently ever since then, and uh, my love for the sport has has grown a lot, and uh, it really started to grow over uh, COVID nineteen. But we'll get into the growth of disc golf later. Absolutely. Um, but uh, what about you? Yeah, I started playing disc golf just after high school, so um, that was about twenty eighteen, um, the summer after twenty eighteen. Um, I. I was just hanging around doing some some yard work and my brother, my older brother started playing um, a little bit before me with some of his friends and he was like, bro, you got to come play. You got to try this. And so I was like, yeah, of course, of course, I'm not doing I'm not doing much. So uh, he took me um, and just kind of shared the three disc Innova player pack that he had. <laughs> and we just played together, split those three discs um, and kind of got started. Um, I after just a couple of times of playing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is different. This is so fun. So I bought that 
players, that DX players pack from him for <laughs> 20 bucks. And I look back now and I'm like, wow, he overcharged me so much for that. <laughs> you can get any of those discs. Someone might even give you a players pack on Reddit for yeah, that. Knowing, knowing what I know now about discs, I would not have picked any of those discs <laughs> starting out. Absolutely, like, was me the, too. The worst, that was the worst... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the worst discs I could have picked for a beginning player. <laughs> yeah. So I had a, you know, I started out with jorts and uh, chacos and a man bun <laughs> along with my my AVR, my leopard, I think it was a leopard um, at the time, and then a DX Shark. And, you know, now my wife bags that beat up AVR in her bag, um, which... You know, might have been 175 grams when it was started, but is now probably 150 <laughs> <away>. or less. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started playing. I loved it. Um, I really, I played with those three discs, you know, like a couple times a month for for a little while. But then when I got to college, um, I really started getting into it because there was a course on campus, um, just a, a little nine-hole course, and um, we love it here. But I really started playing. It was one of the first things that I really enjoyed doing even by myself. I'm a huge, huge extrovert. um, And I typically do not enjoy things unless they're with other people. But disc golf has been different for me in that sense. I love going out and practicing and doing field work and even playing rounds by myself. I still prefer, greatly prefer doing it with other people. But I definitely, um, it was different for me. So that's part of of why I kept playing. Um, But Throughout my time, I've, you know, <laughs> played a lot more at different parts of my life and had to take breaks at other parts, but um, just being in community with other disc golfers who love it has pushed me to really keep playing and keep growing as a as a player. So Yeah, one thing that I've really enjoyed about like disc golf is the community that it creates. Absolutely. I have never met someone just like randomly on a course that was just like a jerk. Yeah. Like, people are pretty helpful. Like, if you lose a disc, they'll, like, stop and try to help you find it. Or Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just a great community of people. And, like, everyone's got, like, tips and tricks and things that work for them. Um, Some of them may not be qualified to give tips and tricks. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but, I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, try, they, they, try, they try and be helpful to... It's a very supportive community. Yeah, very supportive. Yeah. Um, so let's get into uh, like the origins and like history of disc golf and yeah. uh, like how it's grown over the years. Absolutely. So disc golf has been around really since about 1966 um, when Steady Ed Hedrick, Hedrick, he uh, he actually fun fact has um, a course that he designed and and is named after him in Augusta, Georgia at the IDGC, International Disc Golf Center. Um, It's a very, uh, at this point, they have taken it off the Pro Tour because it's way too easy for the pros. (laughs) So um, they have stopped. They weren't even throwing discs more than 300 feet. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Steady Ed Hedrick uh, was actually the first ever PDGA member. Um, He was number 001, and now there are close to, I think, either close to or over 200,000 members at this point, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, that was way back in 1966. Um, They were, it was a very different sport at that time. Um, The first, from what I can understand, there's a couple of different people that actually started playing somewhat the idea of what disc golf is 
Um, some of them were in Sweden and some of them were in California. Um, but some people were basically throwing um, just whammo frisbees um, into a hula hoop from different different places and playing it like golf. Um, and some people were um, doing that with trash cans. Um, but as, as it kind of developed um, in... August 2nd, 1977, um, the patent for the first basket was uh, confirmed and thus disc golf really, really began. Um, Before that, though, there were even earlier institutions of what a basket was that had no chains. It was just like like the cage and a pole. And if you hit the pole, it counted. Or if you landed it in the cage, it counted. But no chains to help you do that. So they were quickly like, well, this should probably be easier somehow. Um, So thus they said, hmm, chains. Um, Yeah, a couple of fun things from PDGA's uh, website and and their history of disc golf. Um, In 1965, George Sappenfield worked as a recreation counselor during his summer break from Fresno State University. Um, While playing golf one afternoon, he thought that perhaps the kids on his playground could use frisbees playing golf. Um, And the kids liked the idea. In 1966, George found out that his recreation class instructor, Kevin Donnelly, had also promoted frisbee golf for children a few years earlier. Sappenfield and Donnelly became friends and shared their ideas about golfing with frisbees. Uh, when Sappenfield finished college in 1968 and became the Parks and Recreation Supervisor for Thousand Oaks, California, he sought support from Wemo for a Frisbee golf tournament that he planned to promote. Wemo was impressed with George's efforts and offered him a part-time job as a promotions consultant. One of the first things he did was to convince Steady Ed Hedrick that it would be a good idea to include a Frisbee golf event in all corners, all comers Frisbee meet that Wemo was in the process of planning. So thus it was really from there it got um, it got going um, and the first couple of like really big events were uh, beginning of 1980s I believe um, DGA Disc Golf Association was founded in 1976 um, the first course was installed in um, 1975 um, and. The, actually, yeah. So I take that back earlier. The first the first Frisbee World Championships um, was 1975. Um, so that that really is crazy that only in almost 50 years, uh, disc golf has, has become so loved and spread so quickly. And they, especially. Were, they were only using Whammo Frisbees at the time, too. So there was yeah. no, like, there weren't putters, Discs, yeah. there weren't drivers. It was just Whammo Frisbees, which are what we would call ultimate Frisbee discs right. today. It really was Frisbee golf. So, yeah. you know, next time someone says, oh, you play Frisbee golf, and you say, no, it's disc golf. Just, uh, just remember that without Frisbee golf, there would be no disc golf. So, uh, yeah, have some patience for for that. Um, yeah, the amount of times I've, I've said, um, actually, it's not frisbee golf; it's disc golf. It's two completely different sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it got really started. You know, it grew a lot. There was a lot of courses that started going in, but um, especially towards um, into the two thousands when it started ramping up a lot, and especially COVID came and COVID 
sucked for the world, but it was amazing for disc golf. Yeah, um, no, that's actually uh, when I started really getting into it and playing um, like every single day. Um, I was I was playing at least eighteen holes a day. Some days I was playing like multiple courses. Um, I think once I played fifty something holes in a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. During during COVID, but I mean, COVID was a very large part of the like rapid disc golf growth. Yeah. Um, I mean, since uh, since twenty twenty, um, there's been um, a fifty percent increase in the amount of courses that have been built, uh, like per day. Um, I think in the in the mid two thousands it was less than four thousand courses um, in the world, and now we're upwards of thirteen uh, thousand, I believe. Thirteen thousand, and uh, nine thousand of those are in the United States. Yeah, um, and <clears throat> five point two eight courses are made every single day, which is just. Wonderful news for us. Yeah, and disc golf has become more and more mainstream um, yeah. as it continues to grow. Um, so, like, people are adding disc golf um, at colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, they're adding it at uh, – the, there, there are almost 300 disc golf courses that are, like, by ski lodges, ski resorts. Yeah. Um, there's almost 80 – wineries and breweries that have a disc golf course I mean, you're done uh, that makes sense you're done drinking your wine you can go throw some discs yeah just oh, don't that, drive yeah, just, <laughs> uh and that sing. was a pun just <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of slow today you're good you're good uh but there uh there are 79 countries that uh, actually have disc golf um yeah some of the uh, countries that have been really pushing disc golf uh, have been Norway, Canada, Sweden, and uh, the United States. Um, I know in Georgia, over the past couple of years, disc golf has gotten a lot bigger. Uh, Absolutely. With companies like Prodigy and uh, EV7. Um, basing out of Georgia. Yeah, basing out of Georgia. Um, yeah. So, I mean, explosive growth. I mean... <laughs> It, it makes a lot of sense when you look at it. I mean, one of the only things we could do during lockdown was go to public parks. Um, and there's not much to do there um, other if unless you're a runner or a walker or you have kids, except people started realizing, hey, what's that metal basket for with the chains? <laughs> um, and then they saw people playing and it's like, well, I guess I could try that. You know, I don't feel like biking because <laughs> biking is the other actually only option that you can do. Yeah. So definitely helps help the disc golf world. Um, thank you, COVID-19. One of the phrases yeah. no, none of us thought we would say. <laughs> I mean, and, and something else that um, that's really caused disc golf to grow so much is like the community. Yeah. Um, like UDisc has a stat for uh, like people introducing other people to disc golf. And, uh, like 90% of the people that they surveyed, um, had introduced at least one other person to disc golf. I, I think I've introduced 15, 20 people oh, yeah. by now. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so would you say that disc golf is 
more contagious than COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> I would, because I haven't got COVID-19 yet. That's so. <laughs> fair. Definitely more real than COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been crazy, crazy <laughs> successful. Um, I feel like at this point, most people under the age of 40 you know, at least have heard the term disc golf or frisbee golf. Yeah. Um, even if they're like, wait, but what is that? Like, it's gotten a lot of a lot of representation um, at this point, and people are starting to really know know what it is. It's one of the fastest growing sports in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's become kind of a meme, but but absolutely it is. I mean, um, last year uh, they did a um, ESPN had disc golf. Right. Yeah. 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 Especially like some of these crazy shots that people are making. That's like, oh my gosh, they, he just threw it in from 530 feet. Yeah. Like that, that's that, worthy that of an ESPN like, oh, shout like, I can out. do that one day. That, no, you no, can't. No, you cannot. No, you can't. <laughs> that takes decades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it is, it's just a very refined, uh, like process and a very specific skill set. Um, even people who you know are really athletic in a lot of ways pick up a, a golf and disc and try and throw it and can't throw it more than 150 feet um, without some training. So it's you know golf. I would a lot of people that argue that golf, original golf, um, is one of the hardest sports, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, there's so much finesse required, and especially putting is just like crazy. But disc golf is similar in a lot of ways um with in in regards to that um so yeah it's definitely explosive um i mean disc golf is just a like different sport entirely like you try and describe it to people and there's really um like it's it's hard to describe like yeah. the the throwing motions like what you're supposed to do like the terminology is even different from like throwing an ultimate frisbee yeah um so there, there's a lot that that makes it different, but I think that like the differences that it has make it great. Absolutely, it's it's I, I've I've said it a couple of times, and we've talked about it a little bit, Carter. But um, disc golf is so much different in my mind than any other sport, and it's the reason that probably you're listening to this podcast. Um, but there's there's a sense of wonder and a sense of thrill that really grabs you when you start playing and it becomes a fever that it's almost like an infatuation stage yeah. with disc golf and you start loving it and you start playing it. But more than that, when it comes to other sports, you know, you might be a fan of football, of, of professional football. So you watch professional football and you talk about professional football and maybe even you buy some professional football merch. But typically you don't really play and you're not a real like football player. Uh, disc golf is completely different, um, you know, and even even other sports, you know, you might play volleyball in your local church league or your your local community, but you probably don't watch every you know major championship of volleyball that goes on in in the United States. Disc golf is way more of a lifestyle than any other sport that I've ever yeah I've ever seen. Um, so you watch disc golf you play disc golf you talk about disc golf you buy and sell disc golf you know um and one of the things i think that makes like disc golf so contagious is there's so much 
to the sport. Mm, like yeah. there's so many, there's like so many differences in like plastics and disc types yeah. and uh, like shots that you can throw. And like the skill ceiling for disc golf is mm-hmm. so high that like people play for years and years and years and like they continuously get better. Like there's so much skill involved. There's so much muscle memory. Um, but there's just so much to appreciate about it and to learn about it. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things that I, I really like about it. Yeah. And I mean, for me, you know, I, I, I've played golf a, a couple of times and I, I, I enjoyed myself, but also disc golf is so much different to me because there are so many different things you can learn to do. Um, there's so many skills and so many, um, techniques you can learn from, you know, throwing a disc to get it to go straight left out of your hand or straight right out of your hand or before that to go left and then right and then left again it's like what (laughs) you can't do all that with a golf ball you know you can you can put some curve on it and you can put some backspin or or topspin on it but you can't make it you know stand up rise 50 feet fall 50 feet start rolling and then get it to go right once it hits the ground and the fact that you can if you're you know trained long enough and you you've played long enough you can do all of that intentionally it's like yeah it's like I can wow. do a lot of cool shots accidentally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's, it's fair. Yeah, but it doesn't make it any less fun yeah. when you do it accidentally. No, but I mean, hitting hitting those shots that like you normally wouldn't hit if you tried to do it on purpose. Yeah, like like the feeling you get. Oh my gosh! It's like it just makes you want to play more. Yeah, like hitting hitting a very long putt yeah. or like throwing it in from like 150 feet plus. Like, like, I just did that. Like, like, did anyone see that? It wasn't intentional, <laughs> but did anyone just see that? <laughs> absolutely, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, everything can click in a moment. And then you do something amazing and you throw a disc, you know, farther than you've ever thrown. Or you throw it into the basket from far away. And it's like, what? That's insane. I just can't. I can't believe that I just did that. That's awesome. So, yeah, definitely that feeling, dude, is so much different. Um, than any other feeling I've ever experienced. So that's what keeps us playing. Um, but also I think one of the biggest things for me that I love about it is the opportunities in disc golf are so much more broad and accessible than any other sport that I've ever seen. You know, if you yeah. if you love volleyball and you want to play volleyball, you have to go find a local league or you have to, yeah. you know, really get, you have to make a commitment to that league to practice or to, you know, show up for a tournament or something like that. But when it comes to disc golf, you know, and, and often with other sports too, you have, you know, certain age uh, requirements and or like limits or. I mean, um, and, and a lot of sports like, I'm going to take basketball and mm-hmm. football, for example, like if you're. Like very few people under six foot are playing in the NBA, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and the and the ones that do are very very skilled, incredibly, yeah. Um, and like football, like not everyone is like six foot five and three hundred pounds, right? Right. So, uh, so it's like there are certain like I guess for lack of a better word, like body type requirements. Right. Uh, there are certain like strength requirements, whereas disc golf, like. Uh, Paige Pierce, she, <laughs> she can, she, she's she like maybe can, five foot and maybe a hundred pounds. Like <laughs> maybe, uh, she, and she can crushes chuck a disc 550 feet and 
I can't maybe. even fathom throwing it that far. No, she can. That's, can she? Uh, that's her. Oh that's gosh. her max distance. That's insane. Yet. Yeah, she throws farther than me. Or last, last half time, my size. Last time I checked, that was uh, that was her max distance. It's crazy. Um, yeah, in a tournament. Yeah. So I mean, but but even past that, like if you're eight years old and you want to play casually, play casually. But if you're eight years old and you want to play, you know, the amateur world championships, you can do that. Like you have yeah. just as much. It's almost like it's almost like the the sport that totally encapsulates the american dream mm-hmm. like everyone has the equal opportunity if you put in the work to go and play professionally go or go and play you know as competitively as you are that's the other thing is like the way that tournaments are structured and the way that the community is so welcoming is if you've played disc golf three times before you can go play a tournament and there's a, a place for you to be competitive and to play against other people of your same exact skill level. Or if you're, you know, have been playing for 30 years and you want to play against professional players for money, you can play that at that same tournament that that yeah. eight-year-old is playing. And there, and there are tournaments all over the place. Like you Absolutely. don't have to like be a pro and go on the right. pro tour to play competitively. Yeah. You can, like there are local disc golf tournaments like, everywhere some some uh disc golf courses even do them like weekly yeah um or there are like groups in uh like areas like the, i know there's uh there's a group uh, in, in atlanta and they play a lot of the courses around atlanta and they yeah. do different tournaments um but there's a lot of opportunities totally and you can be so you can be as involved as you want to be and as competitive as you want to be pretty much wherever you are um so you know if you have a league that you love and you've been playing every Saturday or, or if you've never played a league before, but say you get up and move from Georgia to, you know, California or, or Oregon or whatever it is, there's going to be opportunities for you to jump back into it and continue to better yourself, better your game, better your history, whatever, um, as much as you really want, want to. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorite parts, you know, about, about disc golf. Yeah. It's really makes it different, uh, makes it amazing. Um, so let's let's jump into um, a little bit of a next subject. Really, um, is like how how disc golf is supposed to be played. So at this point, listeners, if you are here, most likely you know at least you know kind of what you're doing. There's 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 tee pads. There's you know baskets, and you need to throw from one to the next. But you might not know some of the the specific rules or you know, structures of the game. Um, so we, we want to just help you fill in those, those gaps a little bit. Um, so let's, let's do that. All right. So let's get into a little bit more about actually how to play disc golf the proper way. So disc golf, you know, as by its name is majorly based off of, and uses the same basic structure and scoring and, and everything as golf. So, you have tee pads, you have baskets, you've got fairways and, and, and rough and, and um, out of bounds and mandatories and stuff like that. Um, but for scoring purposes, we'll, we'll kind of outline scoring. Um, really, it's the same exact as golf. So you've got your your set par for a specific hole. Um, for instance, here at Togo Falls College, um, all the holes um, are, except for one, are par threes. Um, that means that you have to score... Your, your goal is to score 
the disc into the basket from the tee pad in about three throws. Um, if you can do that, you receive a par on that hole um, and your score stays at even. Um, basically, you start off at zero um, and if you score a two on a par three, that's considered a birdie, um, which gives you negative one to your score, um, which starts at zero. So you might you might shoot you know a, a three on the first hole, a three on the next hole, and then a two on the third hole. And if they're all par threes, then your score for those three holes would be negative one. Um, but there are lots of other scoring options that you can take. Some of them are preferable. Some of them are not preferable. Um, and uh, we have definitely seen all of them. Um, you know, over par um, would be a bogey. Um, anything over par is a bogey for a hole. So if you take a four on a par three, it's a bogey. Um, and that would give you plus one. If you get two, it's a double bogey. That's plus two. Uh, triple bogey quadruple bogey you get the picture um definitely more aggression starts to <laughs> sink quadruple in. bogeys are no fun they are no fun <laughs> they're no fun at all um i don't know if you uh have played enough or have even kept track enough to be in the 10 club but once you start taking double digits on one hole it's usually a very 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 bad sign <laughs> so that's that's not not good but on the other hand um there are really special moments um in disc golf when you hit an eagle, for instance, is a very, very amazing feeling. That would be two less than the par of a hole. So par four is um, it's two shots would be an eagle or a par five, three shots would be an eagle. They're really, um, in disc golf, there are pretty much should not be any par twos or par sixes or above. Um, really par threes, four and fives are, are what you should see um, on courses. Um, some really weird courses or really old courses might have par twos, par threes, but typically if there's par twos, it's kind of like a what we call a pitch and putt course, which is like no holes are going to be more than 150 feet long or 200 feet maybe. Like you don't have to use anything more than a putter to right. do the entire course. Exactly. <laughs> um, and really that's not, that's not like a professional level course and you can't really have tournaments um, that are major tournaments unless you're having a pitch and putt tournament and that that aren't they're not that common right now they will be as the sport continues to grow but that's basically how you score um, most courses are either nine or 18 holes um, so typically a par on a course is a good starting place for you to be uh, shooting for as a beginner that's kind of the first landmark I feel like yeah. when you can really like shoot, I shot par on this course. And that's a really that's a really great uh, first milestone to, to aim for and to, to achieve for. Maybe even the first, <laughs> I think my first milestone was um, 18 over. Was <laughs> I don't want to take anything more than one, like a, a single bogey on every hole. And, you know, maybe that's where you're starting. Maybe you're starting on two, but I, I don't know. We, we just encourage you to start somewhere and kind of track your progress. At, at the beginning, everyone... I mean, I don't know about you, but like when I started out, my first round I was thirty-seven over, yes, and I will never, I think and I will never forget that number. Yep, um, <laughs> that is the worst I've ever played. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, but it it does get better. It gets better, <laughs> absolutely. Um, that part, yeah. Uh, so let's let's get into the the terminology because the like the terminology of disc golf. Um, there's so much of it. Yeah, there's so much <laughs> of it, and and it varies from even ultimate frisbee um 
like some of the things that are different is like the the way that you uh, orient the disc as you throw it. Um, in uh, Ultimate Frisbee, um, the angle that you throw is called IO and OI, um, but in disc golf it's called Heiser and Anheiser. Um, so basically what that means is uh, there is a specific way that the disc is supposed to fly and uh, you can tell what that is by the flight numbers and uh, we'll get into that in um, in the next episode um, but the flight numbers will determine how the disc is supposed to fly and so you can orient the disc with hyzer or anhyzer to manipulate the way that the disc flies what um, you want to go ahead and just kind yeah. of outline like What's a good definition of hyzer? Hyzer is um, when you orient the disc to where it will own. You're good. Yeah. I, I would say <laughs> I would say that a good definition of hyzer is when you put the disc on the angle where it it, where it follows the the natural flight of the disc. Yes. So typically, when you put a, a disc flat. And you throw it, it will fly kind of similar to the flight numbers that are on it, which, like Carter said, we'll, we'll outline in the next episode. But most discs, pretty much all discs, if you throw them um, a certain speed, will end up going left. Um, if you're throwing with your right hand, right hand. back backhand, yeah. Um, so when you throw a right hand backhand and you put it, you lean over your toes a little bit more, and you angle the disc where the um, the the outside edge of the disc, the disc that's farthest away from your chest edge, is closer to the ground, is lower to the ground. Um, and you throw it on that way the whole throw. And then Anheuser is the opposite of that. Right. To where you angle the disc opposite of the direction that it will fade. Um, and fading... Um, so turn and fade are two uh, parts of uh, the flight of a disc. Um, but that's important to know. Um, the uh, the turn of a disc will tell you um, how much it will turn the opposite direction of the way that it will finish its flight. And then the fade is um, how aggressively it will uh, finish its flight uh, to the left. Yeah. Um, so, or if you're throwing with right hand back. Right hand. So everything, everything that we'll be teaching. Yeah. Uh, is based off of a right-hand backhand or a right-hand forehand player. Uh, yes. Um, yep. So that's just some of the like basic terminology because I know when I when I first started, you you mentioned like, yeah, you're like put put some more hyzer on it. Right. I was like, what does that what mean? Does that mean? <laughs> Absolutely. So, but there's also you know, disc golf is is far enough along in its life that there's a lot of other slang and a lot of other termino terminology. So. When yeah. someone says, I want the disc, so someone throws their disc and they say, oh, come on, come on, hyzer, hyzer, hyzer. They're saying, go left, go left, go left. And similar terms for, for hyzer are, I want that disc to fade. Come on, fade on me. Fade, please fade. Stuff like that. It's like you're wanting the, that disc to go left. Um, or turn, like Carter was saying, is like when it drifts to the right or goes to the right. So... When you're saying turn, please turn, please turn, you're wanting that disc to go to the right. Um, either just permanently go to the right and keep going to the right or go to the right before um, it goes to the left. Um, yeah. And an another another thing that, like, 
I mean, it's it's pretty simple once you understand it. But um, like, if you don't already know going into it, it's difficult to understand. Is uh, is how the disc is supposed to fly, whether it's overstable or understable. Yeah, um, And determining whether or not a disc is overstable or understable. Um, so an overstable disc um, will have a higher fade. Um, it will fight to finish left. Um, whereas an understable disc um, will have a lot more turn and less fade. So if you're throwing with a right-hand backhand, the disc will be more likely to go to the right and for more understable discs sometimes even finish to the right yeah and never go back to the left and then sometimes you can have discs that are kind of in the middle or have both high turn and high fade which is like going to help you produce um if you have played at this point and you've seen a a disc do an s in the air so it starts out it goes out of your hand it goes to the right and then before it hits the ground it also goes back down to the left um, so, like, if a disc uh, has both high fade and high turn, then it's going to go really far to the right and then really far to the left, provided you throw it in the right way. Um, but, you know, you you might have some discs that are neutral stable, where they're not necessarily overstable, so they don't want to go to the left really hard, um, but they're also not particularly understable, which means they don't really want to go to the right very hard. They're just neutral. So this is very similar to just, like, what a regular Frisbee is, like a... I would say that a normal, like, like Ultra Star or, or Ultimate Frisbee disc is pretty much a perfectly neutral disc. It's going to go pretty much on the same angle that you put it on, whether you put it flat or um, on some curve to the left or some curve to the right. Um, it's a very neutral disc. A lot of putters are pretty similar to neutral discs, um, and, and a lot of um, mid-ranges can be that way. It, once you get into the fairway... And, and driver discs, it's hard to make a truly neutral disc. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, I mean, one of the things that I mean, we, we've talked about and was something that was kind of confusing um, is what, what counts as, like, making it in the basket. Because, I mean, with, with a disc golf basket, um, like, you can, some of them, depending on the type, you can accidentally hit the um, the cage and it sticks in there. You can have it sit on top. You can have it sitting in the chains. Um, I once saw it go through the top of the basket, fall through the chains, uh, and just just be just be sitting in there, <laughs> just with yeah. through a slot in the top. Um, so, I mean, what what counts as in, James? Yeah. Uh, so basically, at this point. Um, there have been some rule changes, so I'll, I'll tell you about that. But generally, um, it it has to go between the bottom of the basket and the, the bottom of the band. So the band is the um, flat part. Some baskets don't actually have a band, but the flat part that is at the, that rings the top. It's the circle at the top of the basket um, above the chains. Um, and it used to be that it has to go between that and the top of the basket, which is like the, the or the cage rather, um, which is where the the disc actually lays in once it hits the chains and falls into the, the bottom part, part of that basket. Um, they made a change where it used to be that if you say stuck in the side of that basket, which does not happen very often, so don't try and do it. I've only seen it happen once. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
that didn't count, but they've changed it to where actually now that does count. Um, so, you know, if you put it in the chains um, and it just sits in the chains, as long as it comes to a stop in the chains, it counts. Um, if it hits the chains and falls into the basket, it counts. If it um, hits the, the band and then hits the chains and then goes in, it counts. As long as it kind of comes to rest in the chains, it counts as long as the one exception is it cannot go through the top. It can't go up and into through the top. Most baskets are designed in a way at this point that that's not really possible. Um, but some older baskets and some baskets that, that can happen. Um, but, you know, even if it comes to rest on top of the basket, it doesn't count. Um, Which is unfortunate because that's... Yeah, it's kind of like, if, if come on, can, really? You can place it on top of the basket on purpose. I, I feel like like if you call that yeah. and do it, I feel like that should just count. <laughs> I, I definitely think that it, it should count... The top of the basket should count more more readily than, you know, sticking it in the side of the basket. You know, if I if I think about other sports that are kind of similar, like if you're playing darts and you hit the black space where the numbers are, you don't get any points for that. That's how I see, like, sticking in the side of the basket or on top of the basket. It's like you you didn't even actually hit the target. The target, you just hit part of the structure of the, that's supporting the target. But at this point, going in the side of the cage does count, so whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's pretty much the the simple ways that you can score um you can do that from anywhere outside of the basket itself <laughs> I, I, I don't know um yeah so that's honestly that's about all the time we have for this first episode but um we here at Tico falls college um and just the two of us we love jesus jesus loves us and we know that jesus loves you so we want to end each um of our individual episodes with just a quick um quick talk about what what our faith brings to the sport and what we can do to bring more joy and more um more christ to this sport um and so the first one i just want to talk a little bit about um just our attitude um disc golf is a very sanctifying sport um it it can help you determine your attitude typically it's kind of funny um when you meet people that have been playing disc golf for a really long time for 20 30 plus years typically they all have a pretty mellow attitude when they're on the course. They're like, okay, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to have fun out here. And that's because they've hit a lot of trees. <laughs> they've hit, thrown a lot of discs in a pond. They've done a lot of things, you know, that they, it has taught them. It really doesn't help me to get upset. So there's already parts of disc golf that are naturally going to be helpful. But, you know, our attitude is also determined by our faith. We We want to represent... Not only disc golf well, but even more so, we want to represent Christ well. Um, he he died for us, and we um, want to be able to present ourselves when we're playing with other people who don't know Christ as having a kind of attitude when things aren't going our way or when we're taking those quadruple bogeys and quintuple <laughs> bogeys um, and everything. We want to present ourselves in a way that makes people ask, wow, how can you be so calm when everything isn't going your way? It's because our hope is not in birdies. Our hope is not in eagles. It's not in winning tournaments. It's in the fact that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we, we, we love you all. We love you in the name of Christ. And we hope that you enjoy disc golf as much as we do. Um, we hope that you enjoyed our first episode of the Disc Disciples podcast. Carter? Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. We uh, we hope you guys learned something. Our next episode, we're gonna discuss um, 
how to actually begin playing, like what you need, and um, we're going to get into uh, like the different types of discs uh, in more depth. Uh, so uh, come tune back in next and, time. Uh, yeah, tune Absolutely. in next time.